What is a legend? It's been defined as a semi-true story which has been passed on from person to person and has important meaning or symbolism for the culture in which it originates. A legend usually has some sort of element of truth or is based on historical facts, but with mythical qualities. On our first mini-sode special, Hollyweird Paranormal goes beyond California as you follow me into my home state of Louisiana as I brave the night at Myrtle's Plantation and we go beyond the legend and the lures. So Bryce, start us off with these crazy legends and lures of Myrtle's Plantation. Le bon temps relay. The Myrtle's Plantation has borne silent witness to more than 200 years of the history of the deepest part of the Deep South. Named after the crepe myrtles that seem to shadow the property in perpetual twilight, the plantation has seen its share of sorrow in that time. The house was originally built by Revolutionary War General David Bradford. I can't help it. I'm going to try, but I'm going to say all their names in a southern accent. Bear with me. General David Bradford in 1796. Fleeing justice for his role in the Whiskey Rebellion, Bradford built the house in what was then a Spanish colony. He lived there alone for several years until he was officially pardoned by President Adams. He then brought his family to live on his new plantation. After Bradford's death, the plantation passed to his daughter and her husband, Clark Woodruff. But their life there was not a happy one. Of their three young children, only one survived to adulthood. It was during this time that the Woodruffs lived on the plantation that the most famous ghost story associated with the Myrtles plantation was supposed to have happened. According to the legend, Clark Woodruff was known as an honest man, but one with an active sex drive, which aren't they all? And it wasn't long before he focused his attention on one of the slave girls on the plantation. No, my little heart. Uh, the young girl, Chloe, knew that if she refused Woodruff's advances, she would be sent to work in the cotton fields. There she would have to work long hours under the blistering sun and the brutal overseers who were armed with whips. Twelve years a slave. It's horrible. Chloe, of course, really had little choice in the matter and knew that and she and Woodruff began a sexual relationship that lasted for several years. Chloe, who was worried that Woodruff's wife would find out and punish her, began eavesdropping on the family's conversations. One day, Woodruff caught her listening and ordered her ear cut off as a punishment. From then on, Chloe was forced to wear a turban to cover her disfigured ear. Understandably, Chloe wanted revenge. Yes, girl. One night, when the family was about to sit down for dinner and Woodruff was away, Chloe slipped a bit of poison into their food. Within days, Woodruff's wife and two of his children were dead. The other slaves, afraid that Woodruff would find out what Chloe had done when he returned, took the matter into their own hands. They grabbed Chloe and hung her from a nearby tree. When she finally died, they cut her body down and threw it into the river. But according to legend, her spirit lived on. The plantation passed on after Woodruff's death into a few different hands. Finally, in the 1970s, it was purchased by the Myers family, who decided to open it as a bed and breakfast. But from almost the first day, strange things allegedly began happening. 
Guests have reported hearing strange noises. Others saw ghostly apparitions, often a young girl wearing a turban. Many suggested that this might be the spirit of Chloe, and in 1992, the owner of the property claimed to have caught her on film. That year, the owner took a photo of the property to help get an insurance policy for the house. The photo was quickly forgotten until three years later when a researcher asked to use it for a postcard. After blowing it up, he caught the image of what appeared to be a young girl hidden by the shadows on the property. So, you should sleep with lights on and a crucifix, girl. Okay, have fun. Bye. Yeah, not nervous. No pressure. No pressure at all. But congratulations, girl. You managed to survive three minutes and 45 seconds of sharing the haunted mysteries and lore and legends that surround Myrtle's plantation. Your girl's got to survive a night. <laughs> Good thing I found out that there is a bar at Myrtle's Plantation. So I have my bags packed, guys. I'm just waiting for my ride. My girl Catherine's about to come in and pick me up before we head to St. Francisville, Louisiana. We have, a, I think, about an hour and 20 minutes of commute ahead of us. But don't think that I didn't do my homework before heading to such a haunted property. If you're a good ghost hunter, paranormal investigator, or paranerd enthusiast, you know to do your homework and your research before setting foot on such a haunted property. So I do have some receipts, guys, and they're completely opposite of all the legends and lores that we just learned about. Now, like I mentioned too earlier, what is a legend? A legend is a semi-true story with mythical qualities, and we're going to learn that there are a lot of holes in these legends and lores. So before we get to this whole story of Chloe's existence, we should also examine first the murders, finger quotes, of Sarah Matilda and her two daughters. And in this case, that legend has twisted the truth so far that it is completely unrecognizable. You see, Sarah Matilda was not murdered. She died tragically from yellow fever, according to historical records that you can find at St. Feliciana Parish in St. Francisville, Louisiana. It turned out that she died in 1823. Her children, a son and a daughter, not two daughters, died more than a year after she did from yellow fever. She also had another child by the name of Octavia that survived. Now, they certainly did not die from a result of a poisoned birthday cake. Also, with this legend, Octavia would not have existed at all. Her mother was supposed to have been pregnant with her when murdered. But we know that she lived with her father, got married, and lived to the ripe old age of 80. In addition to this, there are some legends too that mention that Woodruff was killed. But it turned out that he wasn't killed. He died peacefully at his daughter and son-in-law's plantation in 1851. Now, in order to learn more about the history that circulated around Louisiana in regards to yellow fever, you got to do some more research on what was going on during that time. Now, according to nolouisiana.org, yellow fever is a mosquito-borne viral disease, and the disease occurs in tropical and subtropical areas, which is why it spread so rapidly throughout the Gulf Coast regions. It spread throughout Texas, Georgia, Louisiana, Florida, and even Mississippi. There are claims that the disease was transported along with the slaves and the slave ships that were coming from Africa. Now, in the summer of 1853, generally considered the worst year of the epidemic, 29,120 people contracted the disease and 8,600 of them died from it. 
on a single day in August, close to 230 deaths were reported. Newspapers and citizens refer to it as the Black Day. In August of that year, an average of 1,300 people died each week. Now we can approach the whole legend of Chloe. Who is Chloe? The key to the legend is, of course, Chloe herself, the murderous slave. The problem with this is that, as far as we can tell, Chloe never existed at all. Not only did she not murder the members of the Woodruff family, but it's unlikely that the family ever had a slave by that name. And how do we know this? Well, according to David Weishart, who is the key researcher of AmericanHauntingsInc.com, he spent countless hours and days looking through the property records, birth certificates, and other public records of the Woodruff family, which are still available and on file as public record in St. Francisville. He was searching for any evidence that Chloe existed. And it was a great disappointment to learn that the Woodruffs had never owned a slave or had any record of a slave by the name of Chloe, Cleo, Clarissa, as she appears in some of the versions of the story. And that's the thing. There was no really clear account of her name being Cleo or Chloe. The records list all of the other slaves that were owned by the Woodruff family, but Chloe simply did not exist. Well, what about the murders that occurred on the property? Based in legends, there were about a total of 10 murders that occurred on that property, but public records and a newspaper article confirmed there was only, only one. William Winters was murdered on the property, but William Winters did not die in the middle of the night on the 17th step of the staircase. That is all pure lore. According to the January 1871 issue of the Point Coupie Democrat newspaper, Winter was actually teaching a Sunday school lesson in the afternoon in the gentleman's parlor of the house when he heard someone approach the house on horseback. After the stranger called out to him saying that he had some business with him, Winter went out onto the side of the gallery of the house and was shot fatally. As far as it's known, Winter's killer remains unidentified and unpunished. They never caught him. Now, there is another story about three Union soldiers being killed inside the house. And as a result of their killing, there was this huge pool of blood, this blood stain that ended up on the wooden floor that people to this day could not get out of that floor. And this is also found inconclusive based on Weishart's research. There is no documentation of three Union soldiers being killed on the Woodruff's property. But it actually turns out that there is a battle, and it was known as the Battle of Port Hudson that took place just 12 miles south of St. Francisville during 1863. Union forces also shelled the town itself. On June 12th of 1863, however, St. Francisville became the location of an unusual event still commemorated this very day, the day the war stopped. An estimated 10,000 Union soldiers were killed, wounded, or died from illness at Port Hudson. The Confederates lost 750, nearly half of whom died from sickness. Yes, the Woodruff family had their house ransacked by Union soldiers. Actually, a lot of families that lived in plantations in and around the area suffered the same fate as well. Now, this can lead us into the evolution of the legend of Chloe. How did it all come about? And why did the story just evolved into the story of this murderous slave? Well, it all started in 1950 with Majori Munson and her family when they moved onto the property. Majori Munson was seeing what looked like 
a vision of a woman that would appear in the front of the gates in the front of the house. She was in period wear and did wear a green bonnet or turban. The woman would appear in front of Majori and disappear. Soon Majori started to share her stories with her friends and her family. Then soon after, their property was sold to another family in 1970. The family started to experience some strange happenings and occurrences in and around the location. And soon, the legend of Chloe, the murderous slave, was born. The slave who murdered Sarah Matilda and her two daughters with a poisonous birthday cake. Now, I don't think that I'm trying to discredit any of the hauntings that are occurring there to this very day. The house has layers and layers of history, just like we mentioned in our past episode about Hollywood, having layers and layers of history here. Just like the David Oman house from our first episode, David Oman's house was built over an Indian burial ground, and there's also claims that the Myrtle's plantation was built over one itself. That's not true. It was actually built next to the location of an Indian burial ground that belonged to the Tanika tribe, a tribe of Native Americans that resided alongside the Mississippi River. Then you also have the location of the Battle of Port Hudson just 12 miles away. So it's kind of like in this trifecta of all the stuff that occurred. And like we mentioned in episode one with David Oman's house, his house was actually built over an Indian burial ground. And it was just several yards away from where the Battle of the Tongva tribe with the California settlers occurred in the 1800s. Not to mention, he is also located just across the street from the location of where the Sharon Tate murders occurred. And his house is also built over a geometric field that is attracting all this energy. And like the Myrtles plantation, it's attracting all this energy. You have the site of the Civil War, and you also have this Indian burial ground not too far away, along with all the death that occurred due to the yellow fever. Oops, now my writer's here, guys. Before I go, I will leave you with this note before we come back with our post-mortem, and it's what I mentioned before. Legends have some sort of an important meaning or symbolism for the culture in which it originates. Back then, everyone's culture was that of survival. To survive the yellow fever, to survive the Civil War, and for the slaves that were working on these plantations to survive slavery. You could find out more about David Weishart's research and everything that he brought up from the public records of St. Francisville at www.americanhauntingsinc.com myrtles. All right, guys, I got my Serenite Stone, my St. Benedict Medal, and some libations because, yes, it is the South. We drink and we need some liquid courage here. All right, guys, wish me luck, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. All right, guys, we're back. We survived the night. I am sitting next to my Nola sister from another Mista, my Thunder buddy, my Nola girl, my friend, Catherine Barona. Catherine, you want to say hi, introduce yourself? Hello, <laughs> um, Holly Weird Paranormal fans yes. and listeners. I'm Catherine Barona. Mm-hmm. I'm fortunate to know this lovely woman and be friends with her. Oh, fortunate mm-hmm. to know you, girl. <laughs> I met Catherine, when was it, like 10 years ago, nine years ago in, in Los Angeles? We didn't even meet here. We just like. It was 2010. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was 2010. I was working, like I mentioned before, in my fabulous and very entertaining job of retail Mm -hmm. (laughs) at Aveda in Century (laughs) City. And and you overheard me mentioning to a customer that I was from New Orleans. 
your NOLA radar receptors like went up. And ever since then, we have been really good friends. It's like if you're from the city and you hear that someone else is from the city and you're out of the state or whatever. It's magnetic. Just, it is very magnetic. Like you guys are destined to be together for life. Yes. Is a, a NOLA thing. And your birthday was right after I met you. Yes. It was like the next week. So you invited me to your birthday party. And I was yes. like, I have to go hang out with this girl. And ever since yes. then, we've had many adventures together. And, and your we- birthday here every summer at home. Yes. And this year was interesting. It was actually a perfect setup because you are skeptic. You don't mm-hmm. believe in this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. it's all good. Come on. Bryce number two. If because if it was Bryce, Bryce would have been like, I'm sleeping in the car and or I'll be taking the car to a nearby church and just sleeping right there. <laughs> but um, it was kind of funny when we um, were on the way over there and you were like, so um, how haunted is this place? Yeah, I had no idea any of the stories. <laughs> I said, you'll soon find out. The folklore. <laughs> the folklore. So yes, guys, um, speaking about the legends and the folklores. Oh, and this is just an FYI. Sorry if you guys hear a lot of this. It's because I left the stands in LA. They weigh a lot. And if I were to have packed them in my bag, they would have caused my baggage to really go over, what is it, the 50 pound mark Mm -hmm. so I was like "Mm -mm." unfortunately my bag barely made it past like 45 pounds because I was bringing home a lot of gifts to my family members so um what we're going to talk about real quickly is the location our room the mystery tour that we took later on that evening having spirits with the spirits so we got a little a little tipsy because <laughs> because the people that we encountered were from different parts of Louisiana and they were there to party with the spirits and of course the night and the morning and what happened to my contacts for those of you who have tuned in to our story on Instagram something happened to my contacts that none of us can explain we'll go into that soon So before we continue with our post-mortem, we can quickly tackle what is fact and fiction. As you guys heard in the beginning, our homegirl Bryce shared with us one of the versions of the legend and lures of Chloe, the Woodruffs, and the Winters. And if you follow us on Instagram, you would have seen a clip on our story of me standing with the Myrtle staff member and docent Bo Tressler. He's currently a graduate student majoring in history at Southeastern Louisiana University, and he was able to clear up you know, a lot of the legends and lores that surround Myrtles while I chatted with him during our check-in. And he mentions that researching on the history of the land and the history of the property is key. And the reason why a lot of these stories circulated like wildfire, no pun intended, we'll get into that soon, was due to Francis Kerman's critically unacclaimed book, Myrtles Plantation, The True Story of America's Most Haunted House, which we thought that the title belonged to, you know, the Sally House, the Amityville House, and the Exorcist House. So Bo goes on to say that Frances Kerman and her family lived on the property from 1980 to 1992, and she was a bit of a, she was a bit batshit crazy, and she was the reason behind all the crazy stories. Just a little background before we hit the night of. (laughs) Currently, the plantation is owned by John and Tita Moss. John and Tita do not believe in calling the entities ghosts. They believe that the spirits are guardian angels. In another interview that John gives to a local news station, he explains that their property is no different from any other plantation. It's going to have its own energy. Neighbors even told them that they would know in 90 days if the spirits like you or not. 
And 90 days later, they said that they had, you know, a few unexplained events, but nothing that would make them run out screaming. So I guess the spirits ended up liking them. Um, but I do believe that they do have some guardian angels. That's a fact because recently the plantation had been victim to not one, but two fires in 2014 and 2017. The first fire was started by a cigarette, but it just created this mass fire. And that was less than eight feet away from the main house and it connected to a breezeway. And miraculously, it did not reach the main house and the St. Francisville Fire Department told them that it should have engulfed the whole entire property. So they truly had some sort of unseen forces helping them. And in 2017, another fire occurred and it burned down the restaurant and bar, which was a bummer for us. Um, but, but we made it work. We, <laughs> we'll go into that soon. And um, that was due to a cheap iPhone charger that was left in an old electrical socket. So they are currently building an entirely new restaurant and bar with um, with a larger room that will be um, for special events like uh, work events, rehearsal dinners, or I think even may uh, maybe weddings could be held there. They're also building additional hotel rooms. And I think they even have plans to build more cabins, which is crazy. But if you're planning on touring or traveling to Louisiana to experience the Myrtles, I say go during the middle of the week. The summers are cr pretty crazy. You do have to plan three to four months in advance. October, you have to plan two to three years in advance. October is insane. We're going to go into the location, what we felt, what we thought of it. Um, it's a beautiful location. What did you think? It's very old. <laughs> the furniture was really cool. The bed was very high. <laughs> I it need to post a, that picture. I forgot to post a, it. <laughs> you needed to take like a set of stairs. It needs its own <laughs> footstool, double footstool thing <laughs> to step up onto it. You get to the room and it's like, you feel like you're a little dizzy. You're like, what, what's going on? I'm dipping up and fun going house. down. Yeah, it's like a fun house. Like you're going up and down. And then I even did like a water bottle test where I placed the water bottle on the floor and it just rolled down the room. So if someone or other people have claimed, well, I get dizzy, it just feels like, you know, the room is like literally shaking beneath me. It's it's actually because the house is just completely unleveled. <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. it's just a very old house. Like every other house in Louisiana, you just it's just needs to be leveled. That's just in my opinion. So. We live in the swamp. <laughs> there you go. We live in the swamp, or I used to live in the swamp. Now we can tackle the room. So we were staying in the William Winters room, and each room has a binder to give you a brief history of the house, the property, and of course, um, each binder is different in each room because it gives you the story of that room in particular. And our staff member, Dosant Bo, was so nice to explain to us the stories of the going-ons and happenings of that room. Yes. <laughs> and um, there's this one point where he's telling us about the, the little girl ghost. It was Kate Winters. She's one of the ghosts and entities that haunts the room. She's supposed to be the sweet little girl ghost who died of yellow fever. She was William Winters' daughter. And um, she died in that room. And a lot of people have claimed to have seen her and heard her in that room. She's known to jump on the bed. She's known to play in the closet. You can hear her giggling or singing. You can hear her pitter-patter around the room, play with your change, stack your change on the dresser or the mantle above the fireplace. And after Bo had explained the story, you were like, oh my God, I just feel a, a rush of cold air down my arm. <laughs> yeah. 
And then, and then I debunked it by saying, well, the AC, the AC just, yeah. <laughs> just turned on and you're underneath also, the vent. Also, I, I get cold really easily, so I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> I was like, for a skeptic, Catherine, you're feeling a lot of things. <laughs> but as, an, as, a, as a green investigator, I was like, wait, where is this coming from? I just felt like the air too, and I looked up, there's a vent right above the bed. So the AC turned on, and that's why you felt that rush of cold air on your arm. Yep. Another story, too, that kind of freaked me out, I was like, great, was the fact that um, I think it was um, Sterling is the guy that goes into each room on that level and tucks all the patrons in their bed. So he... Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. I was like, oh, I'm going to see this old man tucking in Catherine in bed. And I went up there by myself. Oh, I remember. Because I don't believe in ghosts. So apparently, like, yeah, there, there's this, well, there's a story um, or claims that uh, guests have felt, you know, someone tucking them in or they'll wake up and have the covers all the way up to their chin. That was another one of the stories. And then another story, too, was I think it was Sarah Williams or Sarah Sterling when she um, grew old and was still living on the property she I think she died of old age she died in that room too and some people say yeah you can you know definitely see the spirit of Sarah in this room like great there's not two there's three so Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just a fun house in here but a lot of people keep kept on reassuring but it's okay Kate is really sweet she's really nice I'm like that's great friendly ghost (laughs) she's Casper all of a sudden okay so we missed the history tour so when you oh yeah we did we <laughs> someone got hungry no i'm glad we stopped we stopped um on the way to st francisville to get some food because we were a little hungry if you do bo- uh, book a room at the myrtle's oh, plantation shit. i didn't realize that was my fault <laughs> damn it it's okay because i wanted to do the mystery tour more than anything yeah i think i did my own we totally got yeah that was what I wanted the most but um like I was saying before if you book a room um what comes along with that room is you get a free country breakfast that is between the hours of seven and nine (laughs) and um you also what the hell I know (laughs) especially if you're drinking and then you also get um a complimentary history tour and it's a day tour and one of the docents pretty much walk you throughout the property and the main part of the house and just gives you a broad Uh, background of the history of the land and the property and the families that lived there prior now the mystery tour is completely different it's very dark it's very dark in the rooms inside yes so what they do this is what happens so the mystery tour is completely separate and you can i i highly recommend making your reservations online because during the summer they got really packed like we had 30 people in this tour it was a big tour group so they had, um, I think, three um, slots. They had a time slot at 6, 7, and 8. And I really wanted to do the 8 o'clock one because that's when it get really dark. But um, they were sold out, so we got the 7 o'clock. So we had the um, opportunity to be given a guide of the mystery tour through Sarah. And if you um, have 
been following us on Instagram, you may have seen this picture of me and this older woman with red hair dressed in her antebellum wear. Her name was Sarah, and she's one of the most popular docents. You may have seen her in a lot of uh, documentaries and travel shows, and I think she was even on the Ghost Adventure shows, too, that they interview her because she's one of the oldest working um, staff members and docents there. She does a really great job with the tour groups. and She's very sweet. She is the sweetest person and I think the spirits know that she's very tight with them she's really knowledgeable but she, she had some very snazzy blue long blue nails oh, I can tell I they were looking, her real nails I was looking at her nails but, too yeah her <laughs> nails definitely stood out to me and just against that antebellum like costume I was just I just kept looking at that and noticing it and thinking how bizarre I remember you just kept on looking at her nails and you're like her nails look at her nails you're like what color are those nails I'm like oh I don't know I'm just I'm just fixated on the story <laughs> so we did the mystery tour and here's what happened so if you've seen the pictures on our Instagram you pretty much have a good idea so this tour was a pretty packed tour and it just takes you through the main portions of the house you go through I think it was one two three four five six rooms so that takes you through the main parlor which is the staircase that has the haunted mirror and real quickly, what I'm going to do right now is just play the insert right here of the mirror. story about a haunted mirror. Now, this is supposed to be one of the most haunted pieces of furniture that exists. Of course, you've seen it on TV probably many times. Now, back in the 1700s and 1800s, of course, they had no funeral homes. They had to wake a body in the house. It wasn't until the mid-1800s they actually did have a funeral home. So their belief was when someone died, you must immediately go to every mirror in the house and cover it with a black cloth. If you fail to cover the mirror, they thought the spirit can leave the body, go into the mirror, and then of course it's trapped. It is not coming out. And I think that's what happened to the mirror. At some point in time, somebody forgot to cover this mirror. Now the frame of the mirror is original to the house. This glass is not. This glass has been re-silvered probably 10 or 11 times. And every time they have re-silvered it, every image that you see here will return to the mirror. There's a lady's face. She's facing the courtyard. It's a profile, actually. So you can see here's her neck, there's her chin, her mouth, her nose, and here's her eye. We think she has a hat on, but you can see the feathers here from the hat. Now, the streaks in the mirror, some people say that is tears. Other people believe it is blood, because sometimes when you photograph the mirror, those streaks will appear red in your photograph. So a lot of people say it's blood, it is not tears. Now, this side of the mirror, you see a child's handprint, yeah, and you see the little footprint right here. Aww. And every time they re-silver the mirror, those images will return to the mirror in exactly the same place. Sometimes when you photograph the mirror, you see very odd things in your photograph that you really are not seeing in this mirror. Sometimes you'll see images on the staircase. The house was used as a Confederate hospital at one time during the Civil War. So lots of soldiers died in the house. And we've seen soldiers lined up on the staircase. Uh, we've seen the children sitting on the stairs with their little hands and feet through the spindles. Uh, we have a picture in the gift shop. If you have been in the gift shop and looked at the monitor, uh, there's a lady coming down the staircase in a red ball gown. And we have a picture of Chloe coming down the stairs carrying a baby. So y'all please take pictures. You never know what you might see. 
So there's the story of the haunted mirror, guys. Isn't that insane? So she um, goes ahead and takes us to the women's parlor. And um, it's the room where they, uh, I think during Halloween, they put the actress portraying Chloe or Cleo in that room to come in with the candle and blow it out in a dramatic way. So <laughs> that's when she mentioned to us that you need to like book years in advance for that because a lot of people like to spend the night in during October and participate during that special Halloween tour. Wait, <laughs> that crazy story about the um the actor actress that was Oh yeah. going in there and like the the screen thing like fell over. Oh, that's right. Completely. Good. Good call. That's I have true. a terrible memory, but I remember that. <laughs> that little snippet. And there was a story of the actress who was dressed as Chloe and was supposed to perform um, that night of Halloween. Something happened where she was supposed to stand behind this, like, kind of like this gold and lucite room divider. And the divider out of nowhere kind of like tilts and falls on her. And she supposedly had seen um, the spirit of Chloe herself dressed in white. So there are these visions and these sightings of a of a young woman who's they claim to be Chloe the slave girl or it could be Cleo the voodoo priestess who was brought in to save Kate Winters when we cut through the living room now this is where it gets a little crazy because we kind of like stop and she gives out more stories and she shares a lot of like personal accounts but you're standing next to me I was like standing next to the mirror and I was kind of looking over to you and I'm like are you did you wave your arm up and down? Yeah, I remember that. And you were leaning just against the wall. Mm -hmm. I kept on feeling it. It felt like this. I'm gonna do it to you. Like it just felt like a what? Like a whoosh of air. Mm -hmm. Like constantly going past me. It felt like someone was walking past me, or like kind of like it was me. That was you. Okay. No, I'm messing with you. <laughs> no, that wasn't you. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> But that's why I kept on looking. I was like, oh, were you? You asked me. Yeah. Like, were you just waving your arm in there? And I was like, no. It felt like, you know, when someone like rushes past you and you just yeah. feel that gust of air, it felt like someone was rushing past me and I could just feel this gust of air just breezing by my right arm. And then we go into the dining room and it's the room where young, I think it was young Cornelia is, uh, roaming around and she likes to mess with the men and she's been known to untie people's shoes tug on their shirts ladies tug on um, your pants or your skirt or your purse straps and she's usually floating through the chandelier we transition into the women's parlor ladies parlor. the ladies parlor so this is where the ladies did ladies things back then and when i mean lady things i mean drink tea read poetry and knit very exciting. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> so this is where this is where the tour gets extremely interesting. So where were you standing? Were you in front of me or on the right side? I was in front of you. So Catherine was in front of me and it's kind of like this little breezeway between the dining room and the ladies parlor. And there's this gentleman and his girlfriend. They were standing next to me. The gentleman was on my left. Our backs, just the two of us, it's our backs facing the dining room. And we're listening to Sarah's story. And 
out of nowhere he whips towards the left he just snaps towards the left and he's like what the and then he looks at me with this belief and then he looks at his girlfriend his girlfriend's like what happened he's like i just felt something tug the back of my shirt mm-hmm. and i turn around he's like did you do that i'm like why would i tug the back of your shirt stranger <laughs> stranger and he's just like did you did you did you see anything? And I told him, no, I, I was just listening to Sarah, but something really spooked him. And what was really funny is like, he's this tall muscle bound man. Like he looked like a bodybuilder. <laughs> and he had a nice body. He had a, yeah, let's be honest. He had a really nice body. Like homeboy looked good. Good but legs. I know. He, I always look at the legs. <laughs> you look at the calves. I love this um, time of year because it's so damn hot here. <laughs> so you like see to the see the men's, men's legs. <laughs> see the men's legs and their shorts or their cargo shorts. You're like, those are some good calves, some it's good really glutes. It's really interesting if they shape their legs. Oh, yeah. You could tell he manscapes. Or the opposite. <laughs> or it's like forest. Yeah. <laughs> we could see why Cornelia was um, all about him. I was like, Cornelia has this thing with men because he, she seems to be standing around these guys a lot tugging on their shirts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that was set. another thing, too. Sarah mentions that the gentleman parlor and the ladies parlor are the two rooms that have a lot of energy. That's where psychics claim that that's the vortex. That's where, you know, they caught a full body apparition on Ghost Adventures. That was the apparition of Chloe or Cleo, and it's just a lot of weird juju that goes in and out of the rooms. Like, if you take pictures in these rooms, you're going to capture something. And before we go into the detail of the study room, if you've seen the Instagram posts that I made the other day or two days ago, I took two pictures of a mirror that was in that room. And in the beginning, I thought, crap, I really didn't capture anything. But I was laying in bed one night, and something told me, like, what are these gray pale figures in these in the mirror? And I zoomed in and I was like, holy shit, that looks like a little girl in period wear and pixie tails. And she's like looking at my camera and smirking. And But it's so funny because she's standing right behind this guy like, you dare me to do it? <laughs> because when she tugged that guy's shirt, I kind of chuckled just the way he just reacted. Mm-hmm. He was such a like, you could tell he was a teddy bear. Like he looked tough, but he was really scared. He was, yeah. he was spooked. I was surprised by that. Me too. So the second picture that I caught too, and I took these back to back. The second one, it looks like a little boy or it looks like a slave girl, like a, like a, a person from that time period that could be best described close to like Chloe's description or Cleo's description. But it just, it was just, it just didn't look right they did not belong to the tour group at all. So we head into the, I guess it was like the game room or the library and we really didn't have the feels there. Nothing happened there. They just apparently have a tea set that Mark Twain mm-hmm. used to drink tea out of one one afternoon and that was it. But not, nothing. That's all? That was it. drank out of it once? <laughs> he drank out of it once and it's been sitting That's there fake. ever since. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> We made that up for the paper. So um, that was our mystery tour. But that was like the craziest things that we caught on camera was the images on the mirror, the man who claimed to have his shirt tugged and the gush of air that just like whizzed by my right arm when we were in that main room. So we could go into the company. 
not is, me. <laughs> <laughs> it was already my birthday. It was like midnight and we had met these people sitting on the veranda. They were staying at the main house in the cabins. And it was a it was like the sorority of women and there were two that were staying with their bows in the caretakers' cabins. And they were from where? Homa? Mm-hmm. They're from Homa. You could tell in their accents. They're from they're from they they're from the swamp. They're from country. And mm-hmm. um yeah. it was really fun because we were all there to have a good time. And they were celebrating a belated birthday. And I mentioned, oh, it's my birthday, and we all ended up drinking and just shooting the shit and we ended up like blowing out candles on a birthday cake and then it kind of gets a little creepy because they ended up talking about stuff that was going on in their cabin like weird stuff going on in their cabin well they were pretty drunk (laughs) (laughs) they were some of them were i mean yeah some of them not all of them mm -hmm. i don't (laughs) no i'm sorry they weren't (laughs) the two girls one of their boyfriends um was they were pretty drunk because at one point the grounds manager comes out and he has to tell him to quiet down that people were sleeping they were complaining because he was getting really really loud but one of the girls she kept on telling me too that she just experiences a lot of unexplained things she's sensitive that all these ghosts are are attracted to her and her boyfriend came pretty much prepared for this overnight because they had a stop motion camera set up in their room so if there was any motion it would take a picture of whatever was in the room and the thing that was going on in their room what they were explaining is that they felt like they were being watched and one of them at one point goes to use the bathroom comes back and she was like who threw the the hand towels on the floor every time they went back into their cabin <laughs> they, they was, came back and they, they came like, back did and you move the towel did you move the towel? <laughs> no i didn't move it no i put the towel here no i put the towel <laughs> over the shower door and then i left one on the ground because I, I i dried my hands and threw it on the ground yes like a man <laughs> that was true at least he was honest at least he was honest but there mm-hmm. were there was like three towels that were misplaced one of them was debunked because one of the guys admitted yeah i threw it on the floor but there's one towel that was in the hallway and one that was like above like the shower door and they don't know how it got there and they don't know how intoxication (laughs) but what about the one in the hallway Mm. um she placed it there and then homeboy that was getting twisted off of a watermelon beer (laughs) (laughs) um yeah (laughs) so he came back and he was like he said there's no towel on the floor and then they go look and i think they were like yeah it's there yeah <laughs> anyway. it was like <laughs> something was, like that but there happened. was another there was something else that happened too there was a towel that ended up in the middle of the hallway and they no one could explain that one maybe yeah maybe it could be due to intoxication maybe not and then they freaked out because there was like a partial handprint on the mirror oh yeah and it was like the ring finger and the pinky finger and no one could explain like where that came from and we took a picture of it I think I put it on the story I want to see if I still have it in my phone but they said that they didn't touch the mirror and they don't know where it came from but it looked like like a small handprint like of a child I think 
Yes. Yeah, it was like I a... I didn't look at it. <laughs> the bathroom was so small in there, and yeah. everyone was crowding in there like, look, 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 look. FYI, so like, okay. the bathrooms in this place are really tiny. Yeah, if you need, if you're very claustrophobic, I wouldn't recommend spending the night. So the craziest thing is um, when I contacted the place while making my reservations, when I contacted the plantation, um, I remember one of the women that picked up the phone mentioned, yeah, you know, they are very active between the hours of 12 and 3. And then I remember later on that evening after the tour, Sarah mentioned that they're very active right now because of the construction of the new bar and restaurant, that they're very confused. They're like, what the fuck is going on? And they're very active. So... After Catherine goes upstairs, I continue to drink rum chata with Vicky. Mm -hmm. There's this woman who, who was sitting in the veranda with us. She was a sweetheart. And, um, her, she brought her whole ice chest out from her cabin. She brought her bar from her cabin. <laughs> and she was drinking her rum chata, her rosé. I end up doing the live stream or Instagram. And I was walking with our friends from Homa because one of the girl's boyfriend brought his own like equipment and then I circled around the property I did this by myself in the dark and I wasn't I wasn't afraid at all you're crazy <laughs> as I got to the middle portion of it I ran into the couple again and if you have seen on our Instagram and Twitter and Facebook I posted a very grainy video I'm sorry for the quality of that video but they capture something that was very credible and unexplainable they were walking towards their cabin and they noticed this pitch black figure. It looked like a humanoid. It looked like a height of a child. And the gentleman pulls out his phone and he starts recording. And it, it's so weird because this black figure looks directly at the camera at his phone. Like he notices that homeboy's recording it and he just zips away. And you could just clearly see it. And I don't know if you look if you look closely into the video, but you see this like black humanoid shadow figure kind of look up to his camera and it just zips away and it freaked all of us out and they were so freaked out because they had to sleep in that room <laughs> but other than that that was pretty much the end of all the spooks that were occurring that happened around 2 30 3 a.m and i think by that time we were like Jeez. we were done <laughs> so the night and the next morning what happened did you experience anything at night while you were sleeping I just didn't sleep well. Oh, I was freezing cold. I was so cold, remember? Yeah, because I purposely put the AC a little Ugh. high. <laughs> I get very warm when I'm drunk. Um, but yeah, I just cannot sleep well when I am drunk. I need like cold air blasting on Ugh. me because I get very, I get the like the drunk sweats. And <laughs> I was the opposite. Like, I was shivering. I had the extra blanket on top of me, mm -hmm. whereas you just had the sheet, so. That, too. And the vent. The vent was above. Right above the bed. Yeah, it was right above our heads. It was, like, right there. So we were being blasted, all that cold air. But at one Thanks. point, at one point, we I did wake up because as we were laying down, I at one point, I remember you saying that you heard what sounded like music. Oh, yeah. Was being played. Like, was it I piano did. or? No, it just sounded like jazz or something from outside. I couldn't make it out at all, but it it was, there was the sound of the AC in the room. And, but this was like a really faint, dull sound like it was far away. Oh, wow. 
Um, and I couldn't hear it. That's so funny. You could. I yeah. couldn't hear it. But right when you said it too, it sounded like someone was shuffling on the floor on the foot of our bed. Like creaks. Yeah, it was like a lot of creaks. But it just sounded like shuffling. And at one point I sat up and I snapped my fingers. I was like, stop. We need to sleep. We really need to sleep. <laughs> but that room got really creepy at night. Like it just it was just pitch black. And the only source of light was just the two windows. And that was it. I remember you laid down. You were like, why is that window so blurry? It's so blurry. It looks so blurry. So we had this window that faces That's the back. drunk goggles. <laughs> but yeah, it could be drunk goggles. <laughs> so we barely got up for our complimentary breakfast. And um, we staggered. Butter my biscuits. Butter my biscuits. They had a really nice breakfast. It was country biscuits, grits, and some eggs with some oatmeal, cereal, coffee, and water. And it was so bogus because they set this breakfast from 7 to 9. And a lot of us staggered. All all of the people that stayed there the night before staggered in that morning. Yeah. It was too early. I I was like, Tammy, just bring me something back. I was like, I will. And then I asked the woman, can I bring her, can I bring food up to the room? And they were like, no, $200 a night. Can I please bring a biscuit to my friend? <laughs> we ate and we back, went back up to, to nap for an extra hour and 45 minutes because oh yeah, we had to be out by 11. So we fell asleep. That was great. <laughs> we fell asleep. I set my alarm for, I want to say it was for 1030. And um, this is where I, I, I mean, I cannot explain this. I don't know. Maybe if there was a little girl that was maybe downstairs outside for one of the tours, but it sounded like a little girl was humming at one point when I got up. Like it just sounded like she was going like that. And then I heard laughter and maybe she was singing you happy birthday in ghost. How, is that with that <laughs> with that be, you just had the longest i'm sorry <laughs> would that be ghost happy pause <laughs> probably she's a sweet girl but it was the morning of your birthday right? it was the morning of my birthday mm-hmm. yeah maybe she was but um real quickly um no we didn't have any covers up to our chins we weren't tucked in we didn't see anything i didn't feel anything i just only heard what sounded like a little girl singing and just that little brief laughter and then I get up to go do my business in the bathroom I wash my hands and I'm ready to put on my contacts and then I notice my contacts are missing <laughs> happy birthday to me maybe that's why she was like empty singing case yeah it was an empty case if you guys saw oh. the video on Instagram on the story I was like I have to get I I don't I don't, how, how do I explain this? Like, mm-hmm. I need to talk to you guys. This is what happened. I go up to the bathroom and... And do, I wasn't getting out of bed. You were, I just wanted to go back to sleep. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's just the way that the, the contact case was laid out with the lids. It just looked too like, n- like neatly put together. Maybe this little girl wasn't sweet after all. Maybe she was like... I think that she really needs to change these contacts out. So I'm going to dump, I'm going to do her a favor and dump them out. <laughs> I can just like vision her in her head, in my head, like singing as she's dumping my contacts down the drain. <laughs> just like cleaning up the container. Like, you're welcome. <laughs> Happy birthday. Do you think maybe she needed them? A four year old 
I don't think so. Oh, she's four. Never mind. <laughs> well, maybe she was like stealing them for someone else. Oh, probably for her grandfather so he could see. I don't know. But it was funny because I, I huh. walked out and you, your head just shut up like, what happened? And um, you, you're fine. You had your contacts. I didn't have mine. <laughs> but you had yours. Yes. And what's odd is I, I never take my contacts out on the side of my bed, like from where I sleep. Mm-hmm. But that night I did. Um, so I had like my little travel size solution and my case on the bedside table. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. You had yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like still freaking out. I go and I look on the mantle because I placed a little like, like a, like trigger objects. Cause uh, according to the stories, if you leave change on the dresser or if you leave change on the mantle above the fireplace, she, the little girl is supposed to come in and stack the coins one on top of the other. And that didn't happen. So that, yeah. So the covers being pulled up to our chins us being tucked in that didn't happen we didn't see anything we didn't notice that of the change but that was just weird with the contacts <laughs> I was I was like going into the other rooms talking so to bizarre talking to the other gentlemen and they were like did you check other places like underneath the cushions of the chair I bet you anything that they're there they said that they move things around yeah these little entities they love to grab your stuff and move it around the room they think it's cute but it's really annoying <laughs> thank god i had my glasses but that mm-hmm. was the only thing that freaked me out it was a big surprise a bit of a shitty surprise but it ended up happening i'm glad it was you and not me <laughs> thank you <laughs> and i had brought my glasses as a backup i know i always bring my glasses as a backup I, thank sometimes god sometimes i go on trips and i don't have my glasses with me, which is like <laughs> you're like fuck i'm totally fucked if i lose <laughs> if something happens to my contact like one flies out of my eye or <laughs> rips or something mm-hmm. well we ended up checking out guys and we hit the road i said thank you to the energies hopefully we see them again and hopefully by next summer we bring bryce with us we'll take bryce I, I'm, I'm ready to do a patreon gofundme to send bryce <laughs> to new orleans with me because to see that man for one thing party in the quarter oh god to put a daiquiri in his hand (laughs) to see him go through a haunted mystery tour throughout myrtles hell even a haunted tunnel tour that would be gold right there so (laughs) he can have my spot he can definitely (laughs) take your spot he's still kind of a skeptic but he's a bit of a scaredy cat i love how like people say oh i'm a skeptic i don't believe in this stuff and then they become the biggest scaredy cat you're like what is that what did i hear what was that? That bre- Oh, that was the AC. Okay. What happened? Who died in this room and why? So that concludes our story, our post-mortem of the Myrtles Plantation. Thank you so much for taking this little tour with me during my little birthday vacay. I wanted to do something special for you guys. I know that our podcast is Hollywood-based, but the weirdness can surpass beyond the California state lines and out to other areas and definitely to the gulf coast for sure well in new orleans Uh, it's a different beast here yeah it's we're a world of our own exactly i agree and the history and depth of legends and the religions and traditions Mm -hmm. and rituals of the city it's just like incredible there's no place like it there is no place like it it's interesting because i'll meet people that have traveled here 
um, from all over, and they'll they'll say there's a, a heaviness about the city. Really? Mm-hmm. Or a darkness and heaviness. Wow, I never heard that. You know, and I mentioned this in the Axemen um, episode. Like every time I hear someone talk about New Orleans, they always talk about the damn French Quarter. Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street. We get it. Look, we're originally... But there are other people I know that come here and they really respect the city. They appreciate the history. They appreciate what's beyond Bourbon Street, what's beyond the French Quarter. And I've been posting a few of those images on on our Instagram because to me, that's New Orleans. That's our that's our episode. That's our postmortem. We kind of went on a bit of a New Orleans rant, but when you are from the city and you love the city, you know it's a big part of your heart and soul. It is. You can take the girl out of Nola, but you cannot take the Nola out of the girl. That's for sure. True that, Tammy. That's yeah. why I found you all yeah. the way in LA. Five oh four Etha. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's our area code. All right, guys. Till next time, and don't forget. To follow us too on our social media, follow us at HWP Podcast on Twitter, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram at Holly Weird Paranormal. And if you want to email us, say hello, say what's up, share a story of your own, email us at hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com. Thank you for having me, Tammy. You're and I was welcome. I was so excited and happy to spend your um, birthday with you at the Myrtles. It was definitely an experience. (laughs) And I feel honored that you chose me to go with you. (laughs) Well, I'm honored to have, I'm honored to have you as my friend. My BFF. Love you, girl. I love you. (laughs) Let's bear hug. I love you more than cafe au lait and beignets. (laughs) Okay. Hey, listeners. This was cool. I've never done a podcast, so... (laughs) That's all I gotta say. Aw. Y'all Thank enjoy. I know y'all really, y'all. I now you can it. hear the y'all, y'all. I, I still say y'all, and I sometimes say, say dat. <laughs> Hand me that dare. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what that? What, what that? Where you at? Um, yes, I know Tammy has a lot of fans and followers that adore this podcast and really enjoy listening to it and following your Really funny Instagram posts <laughs> that make me laugh. Um, so y'all are awesome too. Aw, they are. They're very awesome. And if you do not think that you're awesome, then email us at hollywearparanormal at gmail and we'll give you three reasons why you're so freaking awesome. We will do that. All right. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Isn't it cool? We will. I'm gonna try it. You try it. Okay. All right. All right. Much love, guys. And until next time, peace. All Bye. right. Bye. Music by our favorite New Orleans brass band, the Kingfolk Brass Band. We also wanted to give a very special shout out and thank you to our spiritual bays of the week. And they are the staff members at the Myrtles Plantation. They do such an amazing job. And we hope that you guys one day visit the plantation. And I hope one day I bring Bryce. Also got to give a very special shout out to Vicky from Harvey, Louisiana, who came and supplied us with rum chata. Want to stay Holly Weird with us? You can finally catch our episodes on Spotify. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Android, CastBox, Player FM, SoundCloud, and Blueberry.com. If you like Holly Weird Paranormal, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a little review. We really do appreciate it, and it helps us indie podcasters out so much. 
All right, guys, don't forget to always stay Holly Weird.